Welcome back to It Was Murder, the number one heart-to-heart podcast in the world. And we're doing <laughs> Chain Reaction Open Season. Yes, we are. I'm your diehard romantic, Eric Blood. And I'm your devoted lover, Ellen Ito. And I'm the runaway virgin, Joe Garber. And if you're still with us, listener, thank you for sticking around and waiting through my COVID uh, yeah. that I had Yay, to clap, get, clap. get over. Um, that was fun. It was so fun. It was like one of the more fun. I'm glad I waited four years <laughs> mm-hmm. to get it. It was worth really worth the wait. Um, actually, listener, it was totally easy, and I got through it in a, in two days and was feeling great. Everyone uh, gets like such an easy time, except for me. <laughs> no, Joe had a horrible time. It was horrible, <laughs> and Ellen too, I guess. It's because I smoked cigarettes for so long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Your lungs have a coating of filth. They do. You can't. COVID couldn't penetrate my lungs. <laughs> Um, this healthiness is ruining my health. Yeah. Anyway, we followed Isabella Johnny from Possession to 1976 Roman Polanski, The Tenant. Yes, we did. And, well, yes. We did. <laughs> yes. And, well, yes. And that's that. That's that. That's There's nothing more to say about that. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Good night. Except that Roman Good Polanski night. is a rapist, an admitted rapist. And uh, we will not say the name of his victim because she has publicly said multiple times that she does not want this to define her fucking life anymore. So, uh, yeah, we mm. don't apologize for him. We don't care for his actions. Mm. Uh, and I give no financial support to him. Yeah. That said, uh, I happen to love The Tenant and Rosemary's Baby. Those are two of my favorite movies. <laughs> it's a problematic time. Um, and it's time. because there are hundreds of people that put in days and days and days of hard work to make those movies as wonderful as they are. Yeah. They are not just the product of one asshole. They are the product of multiple wonderful people <laughs> and a handful of assholes. Multiple I'm quite assholes. Sure. <laughs> So fuck Roman Polanski. Let's talk about the tenant. Mm. Well put. That's so confusing. <laughs> um, yeah, let's get through the minute max. Of course, I have a few more things to say about that. Yeah, about mm-hmm. Roman Polanski and all the things that that Oof. means. Yeah. Yeah. It's I I get so angry at him just every time I think about it, <laughs> uh, and you know that's that's what it is. Anyway, Minimax, I'm gonna tell you what happened in the tenant in 60 seconds, and I'm gonna nail it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I believe that to be true, uh, as I have no reason not to believe you. Yeah. So, uh, oh fuck. Okay, 1976, the tenant. Uh, this, uh, Polish Jew shows up in Paris and wants an apartment and he is, it's a, it's a tiny little shitty apartment. Uh, and the landlord is really mean and wants a whole bunch of money for it. But he's also like, you know, the woman that lives in this apartment, she jumped out the window and, uh, she's in the hospital right now. So you can't have it until she's dead. So for some reason he goes to see this woman where he meets Isabella Johnny. Mm-hmm. Who's there and a friend of this woman that jumped out the window. And then the woman that jumped out the window looks at uh Tchaikovsky and says, Ah! 
And then he goes to get <laughs> a drink with Isabella Johnny. He they hang out in Paris. Uh, he gets the apartment after she dies. Um, then he starts to realize that everyone in the building is trying to make him into the woman that jumped out the window. And there are a lot of Egyptian artifacts, and a tooth ends up in the wall. And surprise and spoiler alert, he jumps out the window. Oh my god! Oh. All right, the tenant. It's me, right? <laughs> the tenant. A man moves into a small apartment in France where a woman had just jumped out the window and she's near death in the hospital. So he goes to visit her and she screams and dies. And apparently he, that just means he gets all her shit. And all her shit's in there and there's a bunch of Egyptian artifacts and he finds a tooth in the wall. He looks across the window at the, the um, toilet that's on the landing and there's people staring at him who seem like ghosts. Uh, the building, all the tenants are fucking with each other, especially this woman and her young daughter because your young daughter has a foot brace i think and she stomps around a little bit is what happens there everyone's very mad at him about making any sort of noise at all if a pin drops in his apartment they freak out and they plan to kick him out uh he runs around for a little while uh isabella uh, or yeah a johnny uh tries to help him when he starts going crazy to rescue him in her apartment but he starts to believe that she's part of the conspiracy and he runs back and he starts dressing up like a woman in these feverish kind of uh Psycho psychotic episodes and then he jumps out the window and all the tenants come after him like creepy little people and then he runs away <laughs> the end <laughs> very well wow. yes very nice <laughs> thank you ellen okay. bring it home <laughs> um i cannot but i'm gonna talk for 60 <laughs> seconds <laughs> okay the tenant so the tenant it's one of those movies where the director thinks he should act in the lead role. <laughs> Anyways, so um, I guess there's not a lot of apartments for rent in Paris in 1976. And so Roman Polanski goes and talks to Shelley Winters, who is just so uber Shelley Wintersy, and this is the concierge. <laughs> and she's super rude to him. So then, of course, he's just like, I definitely want to live here. And then um, it gets even weirder and worse when she's like, ha ha, yes, that bitch jumped out the window. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I totally want to live here now. I super want to live here. Yes, I want to live here, even though it's disturbing in the bathroom's down the hall. And so then, like, he weirdly goes to visit this not dead um, attempted suicide former tenant. And it's terrifying and weird. And she's wrapped like a mummy. And that brings in a bunch of Egyptology shit. And basically, the minute he starts to engage with this apartment building and the people in it, he begins to disappear. And ultimately, he becomes Simone Schul. The woman mm. who jumped out of the window or is he just disappearing and not becoming anything i don't know but but don't stay any place that where you don't have your own bathroom <laughs> yeah I bathroom mean, on the landing to, okay? fully agree uh but i love those shots of the people staring at him from that bathroom that's it's, so good the, it's it's the thing that drew me into this movie when i first saw it yeah and it it stays with me like i think about i think about those shots of the people in the bathroom uh there's a few things in this movie that i think about a lot yeah. like mm. like some some things possibly daily when did you two first see this movie um uh, mark quadrado showed me this movie my friend mark quadrado uh, who has very yes. fine taste in movies excellent taste who is who is expanded my uh cinematic lexicon over the over the years that we've known each other mm. um 
he knew that I was a fan of Rosemary's Baby and a fan of horror films in general. And we, I think The Tenant had just come out on DVD oh. at this time. And he was like, oh, you got to come out and come over and watch this. What year was this? Uh, this would have been 99-ish, oh, okay. 98, 99. Y2K. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we watched it and I was like, it's a, and you know, it's a, it's a slow burn, but once, once it gets going, it, it's just unbelievable. I think mm-hmm. it's so effective and creepy and it does the things that Rosemary's baby does that I think are so magical. Yeah. Like the dream, the, the way that, the way that dreams are portrayed and the way that like fever logic is portrayed. Yeah. Um, it seem it just seems so real. Like it's it's how it feels to oh, me. I want to warn the viewers also. We're obviously we're going to be talking about the tenant, but this is part of a trilogy that of Rosemary's Baby. Well, sort of a spiritual a trilogy, trilogy, I guess. You're, and, you're warning them that it's a trilogy. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> repulsion. And look just, out, everybody! There's three movies. That yeah, watch out. Just a warning. But we're going to be probably spoiling all three of these movies. I'm sure. So just oh. keep that in mind. I mean, we'll talk. We we will very likely talk about. Rosemary's Baby and Repulsion in in passing. Yeah, I just don't want to be worried about saying spoilers without warning people. So much of what I want to talk about is the tenant. I'm not talking about the tenant at all. I'm only talking about the other two. (laughs) Ellen, when did you first see the tenant? Well, someone just saw Repulsion, didn't they? Uh, just kidding. I know that because Joe texted me to tell me that we had to start the pod late because he was watching, was watching Repulsion. Repulsion. I'm not giving him shit. I'm stating a fact. I couldn't go in two thirds. <laughs> Literally, the fact is someone just watched Repulsion <laughs> and that person's show. And so that's, and that's on good. my mind. Yeah. That's the kind of heavy duty research people will be doing for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty impressive. It's work. Yeah. That's dedication because <laughs> it is a trilogy of mm, sorts. Of sorts. But when did you first see mm-hmm. The Tenet? And how'd you feel about it when you first saw it? I saw this um, with my uh, dear friend and uh, probably the single biggest influence on who I am as I relate to um, art and pop culture across the board. Wow. It's just um, my friend John Troutman, who's a few years older than me, and we just connected and like went to everything nice i thought i was uh, that like, in your life but i guess i'm second <laughs> well um you're not a few now years that you've older. seen repulsion maybe <laughs> yeah, you can get on the place. list yeah um you know but he like everything from you know sid barrett to you know it just is everything i just have hold hold that person in such esteem and, and owe them such a debt but nice. This that's not what you asked me about. You asked me when I saw it. I saw it at the Neptune Theater when mm. they were doing mm. um when they were a revival house. And um I've talked about that before on the pod, but so the tenant, God, that was in the um early to mid eighties that mm. I would have seen it early, early eighties, I guess. And um so what's weird to me is like thinking about it in this watch i'm like oh it hadn't been out that many years when i saw it Hmm. but Hmm. um i don't remember if i had any thoughts about that but the way that i felt about it um they were showing multiple polanskis so it was like they would do that with directors and so like pig piling um like repulsion and the tenant you know 
following. Oh, it was the trilogy. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> the trilogy. But like, I feel like I was still reeling from repulsion, mm. um, and the tenant. Like, I just, I just felt off kilter. But there was something that I that really drew me in about the tenant, and part of that I think was that. I can acknowledge. I was just like, "What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> like, what am I? What am I looking at? It's like I am just merely a teen. What's happening right now?" <laughs> um, but so when I think about the first time that I saw it, I just think about that weird push and pull in my mind of trying to kind of meet material where it was at versus like this um, self consciousness of feeling like maybe for some things I was just in a little over my head. Mm at that time and then also just feeling like really lucky and really appreciating the fact that there was an opportunity for me to just rush towards art that i would spend the rest of my life like trying to figure out mm -hmm. um but the tenant for me like the when eric when you're talking about thinking about moments from this film like on the rig i think there's so many moments in the tenant that are like that for me although it is not my favorite of the trilogy and not not my favorite polanski film either but mm. same, it definitely same. is yeah is the one that has those little pockets and it's more just the vibe of it all not to to oversimplify but the hieroglyphics in the yes. bath carved into the bathroom wall like yeah amazing the, yeah actually just the carvings in the water closet just oh wow just once, I just, once the yeah. fever starts the movie just takes off like yeah. it's once right. his fever begins it's like we're two-thirds through and then suddenly i love everything about it yeah like, totally. suddenly it's... then i'm just like ah oh. it's a little bit of a drag before that's like very it's way slow. slower than what i was expecting it to there be there are times that i've watched this movie and found it like like just perfectly paced and mm -hmm. and feel so good about mm -hmm. it and you know don't feel a drag at all and then there are times when i watch it and i think like oh yeah this this drags this is a this is a deliberately paced film yeah um but i do I th think it all it all serves a purpose mm -hmm. i think for me something that i struggle with with this film versus say repulsion or if we're talking about so what joe's referencing is that it's it's oft discussed that there is a trilogy that's referred to sometimes as the apartment trilogy, right? Mm -hmm. And so it is Repulsion, Rosemary's Baby, and The Tenant. Yeah. But this one, I think there's something that doesn't quite hit for me in terms of the development of Tchaikovsky's descent into paranoia and madness or his evolving into Simone or disappearing, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, there's, there's something about it that doesn't quite work. And I don't know if that's pacing necessarily, because I feel like this time I was really aware of giving that, a, that aspect a critical eye. And I realized that all the characters surrounding Tchaikovsky are setting that up for us yeah. the way that they react to him they're all like feeding into that idea mm. but there's just something i think i'm just this time i just felt like i wasn't getting enough 
from that character to have it just completely like be convincing for me. Mm. But perhaps mm. Joe, you just saw repulsion. I think yeah. repulsion is a great example of uh, like the way that that comes on or the way we're introduced to that, the struggle of this paranoia or mental illness oh, yeah. of like repressed trauma mm -hmm. is handled so much differently in that film. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's not, it's not about comparing those two, but I think that I could have ha used more runway mm -hmm. for the lead character in the tenant. And it would have made it um, that much more like disturbing and creepy. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, the, Rosemary's baby and repulsion Two are sort of like, it's both women uh, starring mm -hmm. and your, those themes of, like a woman being believed or just a woman in the, in the world is interesting and in that this is the gender flip, but also the fact that he became a woman by the end is just like, I don't know. It's, there's something really interesting there, but what is it? What is he trying to express? Why is Roman Polanski doing a triple apartment conspiracy? <laughs> like, descent into madness what I, is it? I personally think that just apartment dwelling lends itself really easily to um paranoia particularly mm. of paranoia of a cabal mm -hmm. um like a group mm -hmm. of people that are out to get you or yeah. that or that are there's a society of people that um are following a certain set of rules that they will not tell you mm. um and mm -hmm. you either have to you either have to fall into them or you are you're an outsider. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, this, like his history, Polanski's history is fucking crazy. Like mm -hmm. it's really fucked up. Like being a child during the Holocaust, his parents yeah. dying in concentration camps mm -hmm. is like this, this it's, it's wild. Like his, his life has been this, it's has kind of led up to telling stories of paranoia and, he hid and cabals of people. He hid from Nazis, right? <laughs> yeah. He, he hid hidden. from, he hid from, Nazis uh, until the end of the war. Yeah. I think the apartment thing for me is that it's just such, I mean, all the things that Eric said, I completely agree with, but also I think anyone who's lived in an apartment or even anyone who's seen movies that have like this element of fear, paranoia or suspense, like connected to an apartment, it's, there's something about, the not knowing mm -hmm. like it's like you're literally like you have this connective tissue which with these people that may or may not be total strangers to you and yeah. there just is something where you interact with them in these shared like veins of this connective tissue which is the hallways and the lobbies and i mean it's where you live like it's yeah. where you're at your most vulnerable it's where you want to be the safest but at the same time like how well do you really know your neighbors when you take that and put it into an apartment building setting it's like oh my god like i can think of when i was living in an apartment building and the someone set fire to the kitchen oh, and shit. suddenly like it really like woke uh, me up to the fact that it's like oh my god like i have no idea what people are doing or what's going yes. on i mean everyone was okay and thank goodness that person like didn't get hurt but it was just like it really 
like the scales fell from my eyes about like what that actually means. <laughs> they could to kill you. Be in the box with all these people. Yeah. And like my like Pacific Northwest apartment living experience is absolutely nothing compared to like all the people in my life that, you know, like grew up in apartments or, mm. you know, live in, in super dense populated areas. But, you know, like you think of just what's the easiest apartment building movie to think of? Is it like rear window or something where, you know, there's this element of watching, of being watched, of mm. hearing, like you hear the sounds, but you don't actually know what people are doing. There's mm. absolutely that moment where like you hear the weird sound and you kind of stop and you're kind of trying to figure out like what people are doing. Right. Yeah. And, well, that's a lot of weird shit happening. Oh yeah. That is just like day to day to day or just like, that lack of privacy from the front door to your front door is yeah. always something that would really creep me out where I would just be so glad. I'm like, I would, I would rush into my building and like go out and check my mailbox, like really late at night mm. in the hopes that I just would not have to see a person that lived in my building, which is <laughs> weird. Cause it's not like there was something weird, but it's just like, I can absolutely understand like the development of these weird, this weird energy or this, yeah. this feeling like that you're vulnerable and that you want to be concealed, but you're in this situation where it's like, by its very nature, it's like, nope, here we all are. Yeah. I had that feeling when I was watching a YouTube video of a guy who kept large spiders and snakes <laughs> and I saw he, he had racks and racks of little containers full of giant spiders and snakes and i was like that guy could live in the building i live in he could live like three feet away and that's so scary to me that like that we could yeah your neighbors could be doing anything that that's so funny terrifying <laughs> i had a friend who had uh <clears throat> he had a collection of giant hissing cockroaches in his apartment mm. Which I found absolutely disgusting. It was actually the last time I ever went into his apartment. Uh-huh. But I did think for a long time, like, oh my God, whoever lives below or next door to him, yeah, I pray that none of those ever get out because they're they're harmless, quote unquote harmless, but they're scary. <laughs> yeah, they're scary and they're gross <laughs> and they hiss. Yeah. Um, and then another. <laughs> Another, a friend of mine who will remain nameless, who doesn't listen to this, um, the first time I went to their apartment, they lived in an older building on Capitol Hill in Seattle. Mm -hmm. This is many, many years ago. And I went over to their apartment with another friend, maybe two, and it was probably 2 a.m. And this person toted out all of their noise making toys like like guitar pedals drum machines uh little amps and then proceeded to just like demonstrate all of these things in the middle of the night in their apartment in their mm. old building apartment why because they just felt like they could that. because they felt like they didn't feel like it was a it was an issue oh man i think they i think in their mind, they live with other young folks who are up late and doing whatever the fuck they want whenever, mm. like, in their mind, there were no people being disturbed by this behavior. Right. I have never had that mindset, no <laughs> yeah. matter where I've lived, yeah. <laughs> including my home that I grew up in, my house. Uh, everything, every noise you make is disturbing somebody. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> right. I've always been a very, I'm a really good fucking tenant. 
Um, But that's one of the things about this movie that like gets under my skin in the first half uh, where Mm. he is uh, visiting other tenant friends of his. Yeah. And they all live in these different, (laughs) these different environments. Like, of course we all want to live in the gay guy's place. Because uh, I want to dance with Isabella Johnny to that record, mm. and I want right. to, I want to like that's just, the best apartment. It's oh, the most yeah. amazing apartment with the, with the fucking atrium. He, he is, yeah. He's Paul McCartney. He actually looks more like uh, Mark Bolin. Like he's like a Mark Bolin Paul McCartney oh. mashup, hmm. um, and super oh. femmy and so cute. Yeah, and then the guy, his coworker's apartment, who also just blasts his record player exactly. And even uh, makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> he's like, it's too loud even for us. What are you doing? He's obviously getting back at his neighbors or something, and then just has the opposite. Just oh my god, screaming the marching man, Dick, yeah. at his he's, neighbor. He's the one. That scene just yeah, makes me die. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, it, it's horrible. It's that's the that's the feeling that I had when my when my friend was showing me all of their toys. Yeah, and then also. I was thinking about Eric and I, when we lived, the last place we lived in Seattle, there was a person who was having go some kind of mental breakdown. Yeah. And we would see oh, him no. regularly, like, out on the lawn without some clothes on, like, putting stuff out on the lawn or walking through the building without clothes on or whatever. And people would talk about hearing things from his apartment. But we all, as neighbors, were messaging about it, and whatever, if it was like a paranoid episode he was going through, that would have just made him feel more paranoid, having all these neighbors around him totally con- conspire to figure out what was going on and try to figure out if we were safe. I heard stories of him carrying a gun around in yeah. the hallways. I'm not sure. I never saw that, but it's pretty freaky, freaky stuff to live so close to I people that you don't know. One of the things... <laughs> about the tenant that sort of touch on that that freaks me out about apartments is of course like i always have lived in older buildings like the newest Mm -hmm. building i've ever lived in is the house that i grew up in which is from like the early 60s (laughs) but everything else is just old as hell (laughs) and (laughs) you know you just think about all the lives that have come and gone like yeah in the time of that building there's Mm -hmm. something so I don't even think that's mm-hmm. that's bad. I just think it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. But the idea that you would have this residue of the energy of a previous tenant, you know, that has this tragic experience is so interesting to think that you're like entering like you're just wrapped in this skin of their uh, psyche yeah. when you move into their space. It's like, oh, that's mm. really intense but completely understandable like yeah apartments it's not you thankfully we we just have jerome who's our (laughs) fabulous fabulous ghost ghost. from the 50s or 40s who i had a dream about when we first moved to this apartment he just told us that what we did with the apartment was fabulous like he just loved (laughs) the way we laid out the apartment and that was the only presence i ever felt of somebody so it's a very like (laughs) nice friendly presence (laughs) which is great (laughs) i think about the history of this apartment a lot like i think about i think about <laughs> i tend to think about the history of the of all the apartments in our neighborhood mm-hmm. a lot when yeah. i walk boba yeah mm-hmm. um because we live in we live in an older neighborhood of la where there mm-hmm. are still like you know this building is 100 years old mm-hmm. and there are a lot of 100 year old buildings and it's los angeles 
And right. Like, Think about that history. Yeah, all the lives. Like yeah. this was a this was a newish apartment in the golden age of Hollywood. Right. I That's know. so fucking cool to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, <clears throat> I think about this shit all the time. Mm. But I have to I have to stop, break in, and ask my question, Joe. <laughs> what did you think of the tenant? I really, really enjoyed it. I was hmm. super surprised that it came when it came together at the end. What I took from it was that he was just going crazy and having a mental breakdown rather than there being some <laughs> kind of cons- actual conspiracy happening. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of sure. surprised because with Rosemary's baby, to me, there is a conspiracy and it's oh, there is. real concrete. There is. Right. That it's like accepted that they were Satanists or whatever trying to get her baby and yeah in the book uh, it's like that and it is and in the movie i mean i guess you could take you could take it as her uh kind of having a mental breakdown to her going crazy but that would just make you an asshole i guess so (laughs) yeah yeah but uh so i was surprised when it was it kind of just wrapped up with the tenants everyone kind of surrounding him and him crawling up those stairs which was really freaky and watching him fall out the window is really scary the second time yeah oh jesus there's something like (laughs) like hysterical about it of like where it's almost funny but it's so scary and it seems so real i don't know it's Mm -hmm. really creepy but that was kind of surprising to me that it was just him going uh having a mental breakdown or whatever what's the is there a pc way of saying going crazy is that not pc to say anymore i don't think that's ever been pc but i I also (laughs) don't really care but it's like what's his actual <laughs> symptoms and like what is his I, like, I don't actual, have the I, have I don't no have idea. the fucking education to diagnose him, I know so I so I will not I will simply say that this is based on a novel it's a it's a yeah fictitious it's a fi- piece of fiction uh-huh. a film based on a novel uh I you can basically draw whatever conclusions you want whether they're well, what do you, you call know, the episode that he's going through? What do, what do you call it as a PC? This is the interesting thing because I I try to think of what... Okay, here's here's a theory that I had on this watch through that, that was kind of bubbling, <laughs> bubbling around the last couple of times that I watched it because the Egyptology thing mm. really sticks with me. Like that's some cool shit that, yeah. that, that's in this. Mm-hmm. Is that Simone Schul was an Egyptologist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's entirely possible that she trapped him in that apartment in a, in a recurring hell um, oh. in some way to either get herself out of it or in, in a way to live forever. <laughs> she like uh, the way, him. The way that uh, pharaohs may <laughs> uh, do some sort of like magical, you know, incantations. The, the tooth in the wall, the the hieroglyphics in the in the water closet, the all of this is of course just like you know the fever the fevered mind of someone of someone who's becoming untethered. And he did seem but possessed. I, I there's the shot of the mummy in the bathroom, un mm-hmm. un oh, yeah. wrapping herself, I'm and laughing. it's Simone, and she's laughing right, and she's laughing, and it's yeah. this it's that moment that I'm like. It's of course again. It's the fevered mind of of a man becoming untethered. Yes, yes, yes. But I am allowed to have fun with the movie however I want, and yeah. I <laughs> I think it's kind of an interesting thought, particularly because of the very end of the film. Mm. Yeah, um, when he's where he's basically looking at himself as Simone Schul. Yeah, and he's trapped in this cycle. Yeah, 
and I did a little bit of I did minor research on the uh possibilities of spells mm. or um rituals that Egyptians might do <laughs> to uh to make this a thing. Mm-hmm. And there's the really it's of course there's zero documentation of, of anything like this right. happening. Right. So it's all just kind of hearsay or not hearsay, but just speculation. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's interesting. I, I like that interpretation. Really, I think it's a fun, it's a fun interpretation yeah. of this, this batshit movie. Yeah. Um, but it is <laughs> like, it's the realism of it for me comes with the fever when he becomes ill um after touching diarrhea <laughs> that his neighbor left God. on everybody's yeah uh. doorstep <laughs> uh-huh. uh and this is you know as we said this is like two-thirds into the movie we already know that he is not uh favored by his neighbors and the other people that live in the building mm. um they never mention that he's Jewish. They never talk about him. Well, they never talk about him being Jewish. Mm. But there is this very, uh, very clear undercurrent of being treated this way, possibly because he's a Jew living in France. Uh, and he's he is told that he's not a citizen. He's not French. He's constantly told he's not French, um, th- which to which he replies that he's a French citizen, um, expecting mm the same privileges and rights that a French citizen would get. Mm. But, you know, we all know how that goes (laughs) if you're an other. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's, there is no cabal. Although there is, that's the other thing. There is a cabal. There is a group of people that live in that building that all are, they work as a unit. They worked as a unit to evict that woman with her daughter. Um, Mm. But was any of that real? Like, well, yes. I was unsure if that was like a concrete reality. I believe that everything that happened in the film that wasn't a dream happened. Mm. Um, it's just when it's a dream <laughs> mm-hmm. that it gets that it gets interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, like these the the dream that he has where he looks out the window and the they have put a mask of him on the little girl and everybody is wearing a mask of him. And poking her with a stick. Oh, yeah. But when she sees him, <laughs> she points him out. Mm-hmm. She calls him out, which is, it's one of the most horrifying and dream, you know, like nightmarish moments in the movie where you really kind of get a grip or you get a, 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 a sense of, oh, this is what he's, this is what he is feeling. He's mm-hmm. feeling that even the persecuted are against him because everyone is fighting for their own life in this scenario. Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like the, what happens immediately after that is, um, kind of like a a humorous, uh, thread that runs through. If you're, you know, through these three films that we're connecting as, as a trilogy of sorts, which is, um, if you are having, a problem um if you are experiencing psychosexual trauma (laughs) if you have satanists that live next door to you that are making you feel like you are losing your mind if you have um sorry if you (laughs) it begins 
if you are actually falling, like descending into paranoia, the thing that you have to have is a wardrobe in your apartment <laughs> because it is impossible yeah. for you to stop these forces unless you have a wardrobe <laughs> yeah. that you can push in front of. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I love that. I love the wardrobe connection and the wardrobe <laughs> as the only force field against yeah. <laughs> yes. against wardrobe your enemies. His luggage cart. Your That's imagined and real enemies. It is. He, it's literal luggage cart. <laughs> he pushes it against his window, right? And then there's an arm that reaches around it and he starts stabbing at that hand. It's so scary. Which is, yeah, that's a really good one too. So I, I did want to bring up that I have never read the book. Uh, I don't know if the book has been translated into English. Me either. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious to read it because in the book we did, we listened to an interview with the author. Yeah. Um, that was interesting. done right after the film was released. And it was just meant as a, huh. uh, for someone who was going to write an article. So yeah. they were just recording it, just have backup. And it was all the sound noise of a French cafe. Of a cafe in Paris. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, yeah. It was such a good he, little clip. Yeah, he so he the the author what's his name George Top R Ronald Toper, uh, mm -hmm. didn't he 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 had issues with the way the book was changed for the film, but he also yeah. really liked the film. Yeah. Um. Yeah. How French. <laughs> uh. But, <laughs> uh. Yeah. In the book, there is a conspiracy. Yeah. Hmm. So that makes me very curious to read the book. There are no, there's no Jewish allegory in the book, uh, hmm. but there is a conspiracy. So I'm very curious to read the book now. Hmm. Is there a wardrobe? <laughs> <laughs> there better be. The window. Oh, that was the other thing. Uh, there, there's another element that ties this trilogy together, um, and it's the sound of a clock. It's the sound oh. when mm, things, yeah. when th particularly when things seem calm. There is the sound of a ticking clock. When they seem calm. Yes. Not in repulsion. Well, eh, no. <laughs> Just being sexually assaulted. There's really times. no there's <laughs> there's no uh downtime in repulsion. <laughs> but isn't it also in the the dream in Mia Farrow's dream when yeah, there's a ticking in clock baby, yeah. when she's also being sexually assaulted by the devil? <laughs> well, no, that's when she's she's uh it's her first dream when she's just uh, overhearing Minnie and Roman uh in in the next room. Which is still one of the most oh. outstandingly amazing <laughs> dream sequences I've ever seen. Is that the one where she's on the boat or no? No, it's the one where the, the nuns are, are bricking up a wall. Oh, <laughs> wow. Oh, it's so fucking cool. It's such yeah. a cool, such a cool scene. Yeah. But yeah, this is when Roman Polanski is, uh, when he, is, he has escaped his troubles in his fevered days to our, our hero Isabella Johnny's apartment. And she's like, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to help you. Don't worry about it. Like, you should be hanging out with young people. Mm. And uh, then she goes to work. And the clock starts ticking. And all hell breaks loose. <laughs> <laughs> My God. That nuts up thing when he's trashing her apartment. Uh, I'm just always like, oh. That should have been cooler. <laughs> <laughs> A I cooler just, scene. I, every time I watch this movie, I'm I'm like, God, I wish I just. It's the way I feel about Rosemary's Baby too. To be honest, mm. it's like where I'm always just like, there's a moment 
there always comes a time when I think, oh, you could have, if only Dr. Hill would have, would have believed you. And then it's like, yeah. well, fuck, if only your mind didn't completely poison yeah. the random knock on Isabella Johnny's door. Like, <laughs> yeah, because he sees it's like a Jehovah's Witness or something, right? And then he sees him as the as the landlord, yeah, in their building as Melvin Douglas. Him. Oh, that's such, yeah, that's right. so sad. It's Mr. Z. Oh my God, it's... Mr. Z. Okay, Roman Polanski. Yes, <laughs> hit it. <laughs> I I mean I I'm at a bit of a loss. Like I I feel like it's years into driving myself um to intense distraction which is i don't say to diminish it but it's just like what else can you say when you're just consistently grappling with the question of how to like where to put art that you love that is made by people that are known by everyone to be terrible yeah yeah Right. And uh, I was thinking of it because I finally um, listened to Death of an Artist, the Helen Molesworth podcast about uh, Anna Mendieta mm. and um, just the way that Helen Molesworth is grappling with those same questions is just really like brought it back around for me it's something where um i'm looking at claire Dieterer's book monsters i don't know if you're familiar with that but where it's monsters a fan's dilemma and it's based on um an essay that was really poignant like expanding on the same idea where it's like okay well woody allen like yeah shit now what do we do and roman polanski <laughs> a million percent is another one of those folks because she has written extensively in film criticism mm. and about culture and the first chapter of monsters isn't is about Roman Polanski and it's entitled a child rapist mm -hmm. Jesus and you know like what do you do with that I don't have an answer I don't um I had a moment where I mean, for people that don't know, so Anna Mendieta was um, an artist who her her husband, also an artist, um, was acquitted of her murder, um, but she died in the mid '80s um, by falling or being thrown. Oh Jesus! Or pushed from uh, their shared a uh, uh, apartment window. But I had a moment when we were talking uh, last fall, I was presenting with my co-curators a film by Harun Faroqi that was about brick making. Um, and <laughs> I just invoked uh, Carl Andre's iconic artworks that use bricks, use fire bricks specifically. And mm. as soon as it was out of my mouth, there were a couple people like immediately I was like, oh, we don't, we don't, we don't say that name. <laughs> talk, we don't talk about Carl Andre yeah, Voldemort. and, and yeah. And so then it was like, Oh, okay. And then I'm just left thinking like, what, like, who am I? How am I? What do I do? Like I, if I 
have to be honest and say like the minimalists in particular, it's like, I'm here for it. Like that's work that changed art. Yeah. Um, and I strongly believe we art would not be where it is now without some of that work and those ideas. And, um, and it's like, yeah, I know, like it's a shitty boys club and all the things. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just a lot. I mean, I'm straying a, a little far afield, but I think it just is reflective of like even more than my just regular ass tedious rambling and repetitiveness. <laughs> this one is one that I live with and have lived with for a long time since I was, you know, 11 and learning things about Pablo Picasso that I didn't want to know, yeah. you know? Yeah. The, the difference for me being like, it's like, I know that I exist in a post Picasso world in relation to art and my work and all the things that that means. But like, he just feels a little more distant to me. So I don't have to acknowledge him as much and mm. all of the, his bullshit. But right. Roman Polanski is definitely the one that, that, hits the closest it's not carl andre it is a million percent roman polanski because like i just sit on my couch underneath a poster for rosemary's baby mm -hmm. and it's one of my favorite objects because of what it is and what it's about and what yeah. it's connected to well and i think it's like ugh. i think what eric said earlier were like there's it's not a black and white issue in a lot of ways because a lot of people worked on these movies and a lot of people work hard to make them great it's not just him it is hard though to like especially it feels like it's a new thing sort of where all these people are just suddenly like so problematic or we just know about it more i guess now but i think everybody draws their line individually and i know like with like michael jackson if i hear that playing somewhere i'm like ooh, that for me what that one's like oh i don't know that seems weird now but i don't know woody allen was hard for me that was like because i love his movies and it was that was like a big like oh shit uh i don't know can't why watch those anymore like woody allen i <clears throat> woody allen has like i'm gonna say 15 movies that i think are fucking amazing mm. um i don't know why but for some reason it's really easy for me to just not revisit woody allen yeah and part of it is his his denial of any wrongdoing mm. his perpetual wrongdoing mm. um and this like cult of lies that is that he's built around it mm. and including his victim in in one of his victims in that cult mm -hmm. uh it just i don't know what it is like it's so easy for me to just be like yeah i don't need to watch I never need to watch Annie Hall again. Well, I, I think don't. that's why I don't need to watch Manhattan again, a movie about Woody Allen at 42 dating a 16 year old. Mm. I like, I don't need to do, I, you know, the cinematographer of Manhattan is a genius. Yeah. And made Truth. one of the most beautiful movies. And Meryl Streep. And I never have to watch it again. I just don't care enough to watch a Meryl Streep delivering like this crazy nuanced performance. Yeah. Like one of her more subtle and beautiful performances. I think that's why everyone has to draw their, it's a very personal where you draw the line because for me, the, the one Michael Jackson was kind of easy for me to, I, it's oh, that's like, impossible for me. I know. And like, that would for like some people erase my, yeah. my child, like so much of, this is not like Ghostbusters kids. This is like 
a real genuine thing that created a lot of my my life and a lot of my personality was right the the albums off the wall and thriller yeah it's like life-affirming music that's created that's not just some music that you can detach from your life so easily no and it's completely those. linked to specific memories of my family yeah good memories but of I think, my family like you said earlier too though we try not to give them money basically it's yeah like i don't the big support thing. i don't support these people i don't support this I, like i also don't promote i mean this this is a we're what we're doing right now is a very like i i thought about this for a while like it's and i'm i'm sorry if my if i sound like i'm rationalizing uh if if this if hopefully if you find discussion of roma polanski's work to be very triggering you're just skipping this episode i really hope mm. that that's the case that you're mm. skipping this episode and if we cross the line for you and we're no longer you're no longer a listener i understand and i don't i i would never challenge that i would never challenge that but for me this is where i'm at like uh, a movie is a collaboration between 200 people it is not one man's vision mm-hmm. it is 200 people showing up to work for months to to get this thing made um so i can't i can't discount shelly winters i can't discount uh melvin douglas i can't discount uh 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 philippe sardo who did the fucking phenomenal score that that just like stays in my bones forever um or the production designer I mean- pierre gouffoy like who did magical things Mm -hmm. for me i don't have to bust it down to the point where i have to tell remind myself that it takes more than like one person to make a film like for me i don't have to go there like i appreciate what you're saying and and it's absolutely true but for me it's like i don't i don't need to to tell myself that Mm -hmm. because it, it doesn't change this the strange space where this work lives for me and with me like i i'm weirdly in the same place with woody allen's output hmm. i think i kind of miss the books a little bit <laughs> um, like I, I miss like without feathers a without little bit feathers, yeah. but but i don't i i don't mourn some a self-imposed um moratorium on woody allen's films and I don't know, maybe I just had enough time with them and it's easier to put away or perhaps they simply didn't mean as much to me as I would, like I imagine that they did. Mm-hmm. So it is Polanski. It is Polanski for me. <laughs> that is like, er, because sexual violence, well-documented sexual violence. Admitted um, sexual violence. Mm-hmm. And like fleeing like it just is is yes yeah, roughly yeah. it's horrible um yeah also uh you, this might be weird but i have never heard the entirety of thriller oh, really? <laughs> like, i never owned thriller um which is neither here nor there really but i sometimes i'm like oh that's weird maybe i should listen to that I mean, like, you know, you hear a lot of the, a lot of it from the singles, but it's like, oh, I guess like I just never wanted it. But it's because off the wall is such a satisfying and such an intense mnemonic device for me. Um, 
but yeah, like Michael Jackson, mm, you know, yeah. like, yeah, wow. Something I've just recently been thinking about is I, I like really want to watch the episode of Louis C.K.'s show where he goes on the date with Parker Posey because <sighs> that was such an incredible piece of art like the and her performance and everything and it's like i still haven't done it i don't know if i will but it feels so weird to like have to do these mental gymnastics to try to like i don't know yeah like rationalize a little bit because i it's just bizarre i think a question that i ask myself a lot is like who am i concerned about when i have that concern Mm -hmm. Like, who am I concerned about? Like, if I'm not actively, like, sending Roman Polanski a nickel every time I engage with his materials, or I'm not, like, asking other people to um, have affection for the work of a rapist when that is, you know, it's like, who am I, who, what am I really doing and what's really motivating me when i am making these choices or talking about these choices Mm -hmm. or you know like Mm -hmm. like what's really going on there like not that it's performative necessarily but it's like what is the actual um meaning and impact of those decisions beyond me just endlessly grappling uh talons locked in a eternal death spiral with my endless battle between you know the art versus the author you know like i think it's yeah i mean it's just you just put yourself in the shoes of the victim and you think like what they would think is you would not want them to have any like this brings up my game show idea <laughs> that i want to have with God. where there's a big red <laughs> what? it's a uh, it's called you're canceled and at a what if we decide the jury decides i say you are canceled and i push a red button and all of your work and you are like sucked down a pneumatic tube and no every single trace of everything you've ever created is just gone forever from the world and that's the that's the show where it's like but you can't really do that so the work is still out there and the work has still impacted people even before anyone knew about anything any wrongdoings so i i think for me like i can't i can't this evening i cannot go down uh the road that is marked with the descriptor cancel culture i i i 100 am a believer that that uh cancel cancellation as it's described in this particular parlance does not exist um the people that we talk about being canceled are doing sold out performances at madison square garden like there it doesn't matter i mean there's no there is no cancellation if your platform is not diminished so go fuck yourself all of it there's no clear answer to any of this that we're no no i'm just talking about my shit like i'm talking about myself (laughs) i wanted to talk about this movie i wanted to talk about a roman polanski thing and for me it is important to acknowledge that we are talking about someone who did something yeah unspeakably horrible Mm -hmm. and i i think that it's important to continue to to remind everybody like oh yeah and that this piece of art was made by someone who did something unspeakably horrible mm-hmm. because we spent decades not talking about it. Mm-hmm. We gave him an Oscar for the pianist, which was made 30 years after he raped a 13 year old girl. Ugh. 
in exile, he was given an Oscar. That's that's that speaks so much to our culture. Yeah. And I want to actively push against that a little bit in, in my, my little tiny way of just mentioning, by the way, this guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. He made, he made some of my favorite pieces of art and he is a piece of fucking shit. He's an admittant and a repentant piece of shit. Um, but he is someone who has never, uh, he has never suffered the consequences of his actions because he chose to live in opulent exile. And I think it is also noted frequently that the victim of that crime, the, the one that we know about, yes. the one that we're discussing, um, issued a statement of forgiveness. But yes. I feel like that is often uh, taken and presented in a way that I don't necessarily, I don't know for a fact, but that I don't believe it is in the nature and spirit and purpose um, of the way that that, of why that was given. Yeah. Um, it's like that is for that person's uh, life and well being and uh, forward momentum. It's not necessarily to make everyone stop thinking about. The question that we're discussing yes. right yes um but i think with rosemary's baby in particular you and i have to acknowledge eric that rosemary's baby is a total touchstone for our friendship absolutely like, a, it's something that we connect about all the time i mean it's just it's just part of the way that we talk and it's it's like just a consistent reference for us and Polanski well film is but yeah. I, I think we can both acknowledge that Rosemary's Baby is the number one uh, film that that like holds holds pride of place at that intersection yes so and ours is so Fast and the Furious it bears 5 the conversation. <laughs> that's, that's right Joe come lately that's right <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's... The, it, and Midnight Lace. Oh, uh, Midnight, <laughs> yeah, Midnight it is, Lace. Yeah, Midnight Lace, Rosemary's Baby. And Edge, uh, River's Edge. River's Edge. <laughs> um, River's Edge. Yeah, and funny enough, like, my my as we were saying, like, The Tenant, a movie that I that we're discussing tonight, and that I right. love. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. we are. And I love for oh, so yeah. many reasons, because that The Tenant is so rich in, uh, in so many things that film, only film can do. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it delivers horror in a way that that is kind of funny. <laughs> and, uh, it it explores Super funny, yeah, and it explores uh, it explores human emotion in a way that that only films can do more so than novels, or or in a different way than novels. And it explores uh, humans' physical reactions to things in a way that only films can do. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I find it so fascinating. I think it's a, it's a it's a movie made by masters. Mm -hmm. um, it's not his best. It's not, like, if I'm going to, I'm choosing my, my favorite Polanski is Chinatown. Mm. Yeah. Um, Chinatown is one of the most, it's, it's the movie that every time I watch it, I, I am, blown away 
by what films can do. Um, but I'm also, you know, kid of the seventies, seventies films are, are it. Mm-hmm. And Chinatown is the seventies film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Rosemary's baby is a very close second, a very close second. <laughs> so in the trilogy, how do you stack them? Rosemary's baby. Oh, Rosemary's baby. Uh, the tenant and repulsion are really neck and neck for me. Mm. They're because they're, I don't find a relation. I mean, I find thematic relationships between them, but I don't find them relatable as films. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you stack them, Ellen? Um, obviously, Rosemary's Baby is my favorite. Um, then Repulsion, and then The Tenant. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I I like them all. I can't. I I think I that's just... just a fact. But Chinatown is the best. Chinatown's the best, but Rosemary's Baby has an ease for me and a familiarity and Mm -hmm. a a special place. Like, it's just a film that I love to watch. It's Mm -hmm. like the book that you can just pick up, open up to any page and just immediately, like, fall into it. Yeah, That's Mm -hmm. Rosemary's Baby for me. Chinatown isn't necessarily that, but I know Chinatown is the best. (laughs) And 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 I do super love it, but I think there's just something about... I don't know if Where's I've sat baby? and watched all of Chinatown before. Oh, and God. I know it's... Uh, <laughs> well, now I have four links. Sacrilege. <laughs> that was my link, but I changed it. Um, I will watch Chinatown. Like, if, I, if you ever walk in here and Chinatown is on mm-hmm. and you want me to start it over, I will happily okay. just start it over. Yeah, that's I will watch that movie <laughs> over and over. I recorded that onto a tape <laughs> off of Showtime or HBO when mm-hmm. I was like 10 or 11. And watched that fucking VHS of Chinatown so many times, (laughs) just so many times because I didn't understand the story at all, but I knew that I just (laughs) wanted to look at it and I wanted to like be in it Mm. and that something was happening. Mm -hmm. Took me forever to figure out the story of Chinatown. (laughs) (laughs) I think so like pivoting back to the tenant. Mm hmm. Can I ask, like, if you, if somebody was to come to either of you and and ask you to slot the tenant into a genre, like, in an attempt to communicate to folks, like, oh, you'll like it, it's horror, you'll like it, it's this or that, like, do you feel like this is a horror movie? Yes, I do. I think it's a psychological, psychological. thriller. Yeah. Um, mm. With surrealist attributes. Um, it's really hard though, because I also don't like Rosemary's baby is not a horror movie in it's like in pure genre talk. It's a, it's a drama. <laughs> um, like it's horrific. It's, you have to take in the, you have to swallow the whole pill to get the horror. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, I don't think of it as horror. No, well, but it isn't um... not horror, right? Like it's, it's, it is a brick in yeah. the in the wall of horror. It's just, and it may be foundational at this point, but it's uh, it's not. Uh, is it only because they're Satanists? <laughs> huh. Maybe. Um, I, I can't answer that question. I think coming from um, possession to the tenant was a really good little step. 
I think those are like they're really related in my head. They are. But, it's a cool. Yeah. It's a cool like Cold War double feature. <laughs> yeah. What do you What do you put it as, Ellen? What kind of genre would you say? Well, I don't know, and that's why I ask because I think it's like on the one hand that that's a question for some films that would close the door to consideration or further discussion or speculation or you know but i feel like for the tenant it kind of blows all the doors open because i think it is not simple to define it even compared to other polanski films it's it's harder to classify the tenant and i don't know if that draws a direct line to the source material because i haven't pursued it but it's just like the tenant just i wonder if that's that's why it's harder for me to feel like I have a tight grip on where I stand with it because it does feel like it is in this liminal space. It is. It's so funny too. Like the, the humor of the tenant, I find it extremely funny. Um, it, it's, <laughs> it exists outside. Just like you just said, it, it exists outside of classification and it is in a liminal space of, of genre where, mm -hmm. Yes, this is a what happens is horrifying, like genuinely horrifying when when we get down to it. And the feeling that some of these sequences give you get under your skin the way that horror or that thrillers might. Um mm -hmm. but then he slaps a little kid in the park and you can't I'm sorry, but if you <laughs> oh, aren't yeah. cracking up when, oh, he's, Patrick, so when he slaps that little kid. Yeah. <laughs> just like Patrick put a cork in it Patrick. God. <laughs> that's so oh. good and also so this is we were talking about like thinking the things that i think about they're like way too frequently from this movie his drunken screed about what he is what makes one who they are and he mm -hmm. says if i cut off my arm oh yeah i say me and my arm that's interesting if i cut off my other arm i say me and my two arms if I cut off my legs, mm -hmm. it's me and my arms. But if I cut off my head, do I say me and my head or me, me and, and my, my body? body? And he leaves it at that, and I think of that every day. I love that. I think of it every day. Well, <laughs> but then, like, then you think of the head where he's like, they're playing football with the yeah. head in the courtyard. Mm -hmm. Or you think of what he says about the tooth when he first tells Stella that he found a tooth in the wall. And he that's he what says brings it, that conversation the tooth, the about right? is part of the body. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so it's like, that's great. Yeah. That's so interesting. And the world of this movie that like really thickens it for me because it's like he, whatever he's feeling of him not being himself anymore, whatever, however that's manifesting inside of him is makes him mm -hmm. leads him to wonder to this yeah. and vocalize this idea. That is so good. I never, I didn't really think about that when we were watching, but that's like a really incredible thing for that character just to say out of nowhere, sort of like, it's just like, that is what somebody who f was feeling those feelings would say. Yeah. So, and would be thinking about that's so but good. So if, if we're talking about moments in the film that can be considered to just be like, <gasps> you know, the, the, like these key moments that just, like startle us and continue to shock us deeper and deeper into this experience, right? Mm -hmm. With this character, it's like, yeah, the body uh, monologue is so intense, but 
Can we talk about the moment when he is in the toilet mm -hmm. and he looks across at his uh, own apartment and sees himself yeah. watching himself? Yeah, that's amazing. Like, that's so good. Which is which is how, chilling. And it's a it's a repeat of the opening credits. Yeah. yeah. The opening yeah. credits of the film. The best part of the film for me is that long shot like caressing this building mm -hmm. just like in uh, rosemary's baby the opening the, credits of rosemary's yeah. baby <laughs> yeah the other moment right. too well, that really like struck me was when he's in bed and he reaches for his water bottle and his hand goes right through it and i was like i don't really know what they're what he's expressing with doing that but that moment was <laughs> fucking crazy it's just having a fever uh, do you think that they painted two panes of glass do you think that's how they did that no it's just a, it was a it's a flat piece of wood that's painted but it's, it's, it's a hand forced pass perspective through it? no he's just like he, it's flat it's so flat. he just like goes oh. like this he oh he's just like i it. thought his hand passed through the bottle okay no that's it's, uh, it no. looked crazy his but it looked so like good in front of the flat it's so good. And then there's another moment. It's mesmerizing. It's like a throwaway moment when he's walking past that same chair and he and it's gets huge. And it, he gets smaller <laughs> and smaller. And it's so subtle you might not even notice it, the size, the scale difference, but it's just like But you feel it. Reality is shifting. Yeah. And it's that's also so cool. that in the same in the same sequence when he leaves the bathroom and mm -hmm. he he walks out and you see the stairs. Uh, through a doorway mm -hmm. and then beautiful shot of the mm -hmm. stairs the next doorway the same stairwell yeah it's, and they it's keep like happening they never stop it's so yeah terrifying yeah, and weird and beautiful uh -huh. and funny and uh it's and it is fever like it's when you <laughs> when i have dreams when i have a fever mm -hmm. it it always is this kind of like process that i can't get through or you know like repeating things repeating elements yeah. that that don't make any sense yeah i think for me when i think of a fever there's also that moment of just succumbing to like to your body right there's mm -hmm. that moment where when you know like you're having these freaky fevered moments mm -hmm. but there's nothing you can do physically like you're just spent you're done yeah. like you you're resigned to that and i think that's a really interesting thing to consider when you think about what happens with the character from that point yeah right that you it is a moment of just release mm-hmm Speaking of moments of release, oh, <laughs> no, fantastic segue. I was going to say earlier, speaking of subcoming, <laughs> it's no, time for pick, pick your book. Ellen has left away. the building. <laughs> <laughs> she walked into her sea lab. <laughs> She's going to read quietly. Read she book. jumped into the ocean. Read, read quietly. <laughs> all right you well mind, do you <laughs> no you're fine <laughs> you're reading the tenant the book i actually wrote this in my notes <laughs> i'm going to read this verbatim verbatim for my notes <laughs> yet again i'm hot for the worst person on screen yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh bernard fressen his asshole co-worker oh, friend no, who plays March the marching guys. band music oh. uh <sighs> he's so cute me too same he's yeah. an asshole he's such a dirt bag but he is very cute and he pees in his sink <laughs> he's just like oh god such a shit he's the head. worst person ever <laughs> yeah yeah 
Oh my God, I love reading. Ellen's yeah. reading a book. <laughs> that what's what is it? We All right, Ellen, rip off the band. Oh, you want to know what book I'm reading? I'm reading uh, Flesh Cinema, Corporeal oh. Turn, an American avant garde film. Really? You're reading Flesh Cinema and you won't give a poke? <laughs> <laughs> She'd rather read Flesh Cinema. Um, I'm reading Flesh Cinema. <laughs> the. <laughs> um, nobody yeah. <laughs> nothing yeah, that makes sense. nothing and nobody um i mean i guess i kind of love isabel ajani's like whole look mm-hmm. like it's so 1976 when Ugh. you put a plaid coat on over your uh crazy synthetic uh, pattern shirt but yeah you know this movie like she's never met a oh no <laughs> never met a yeah this movie stinks this oh, movie like has an odor oh yeah there's it is so filthy and urine and moldy and, and, and old and messy and yeah. it's palpable and, and diarrhea is not <laughs> making me feel dusty like poke I do love when he's adjacent. in his dress and he's like, oh, that's divine. Divine. I, I, I love I love when he's in the dress. Mm-hmm. I think he he looks great. And I love <laughs> I love when he's like, and I'm having a baby. Like his yeah. like everything he does is really funny. It's very, it's very clown. There's very also funny. a moment where he starts to panic. Uh, something's happening, but he keeps the wig on. Which yes. is like for me, the first <laughs> thing I would do is rip that wig off, but he keeps it on. I'm like, oh, he likes it, even though he's like out of the possession or whatever. He's enjoying himself in that wig. Um, oh, another scene that that uh, th- for whatever reason it's one of the th- scenes that I forget about. Uh, I watch this movie maybe every two years, and it's mm. this is one of the scenes that I forget about is is Simone Shule's funeral. Um, mm. Oh, when he is at her funeral, sitting the crazy priest, the priest. <laughs> Is saying the craziest shit. I don't remember this at all. The priest is saying, when "Your body is rotting." Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? Why are you here? What are you doing? Like it's it's so scary and wonderful. Huh. I didn't remember it's, that. And scene. It is, it's also funny. It's like one of those. It's bizarre, a moment. Yeah. It's a moment where it's like the horror of it is funny, and the, it's funny because it's horrifying. I love the the nurse or whoever telling him on the phone, oh, she's dead. Yeah. Like It's like she's reading a movie time or something. It's the most just like blase uh, read of like, well, yeah, she died. And it reminded me of he's stone deaf <laughs> from heart to heart. <laughs> Sorry, you're stone deaf. Who had a reunion we didn't talk oh, about? Oh, we did. Well, I posted it to yeah. our Instagram. I'm sure everybody saw it. I got a couple messages of people who saw it last Aww. night on Facebook. Happy but birthday to happy birthday, Robert Wagner. Robert Wagner. 94. RJ, RJ's 94. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and Stephanie posted a really cute picture of them together at his birthday, and that made my day. That was yeah. just great. That was sent to me by our friend Jason Dodson. So cute. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. Aww. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason, who doesn't listen to this. Thank you, uh, listener. <laughs> he is not a listener or listener. <laughs> okay. Uh, shall we link it up? get our links yes. going okay so how am i gonna pick yeah. my link all right i'm just gonna i'm gonna pick a link okay well that seems like a great start and i'm picking it i'm picking the one of my three um because well i have four actually but i'm picking the one of my three for two reasons one because it's the one that i feel is actually a really cool link and two 
I've never seen it. Mm. Ooh. What is it? My link is old, disgusting, hottie himself, <laughs> Bernard Fresson. Oh my God, mine too. And the, fuck? the movie <laughs> is Z by Costa Garvis. Oh, what's the? Okay. I saw this too. What's the bio for this movie? So Z is a uh, classic. It's an Oscar-winning film. Hold on, I'm vamping. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just delay us a little bit more. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Oh, I yeah. look divine. Look at it from Costa yes. divine. Uh, yes. Okay. Z. Cinema of the flesh. The public murder of a prominent politician and doctor amid a violent demonstration is covered up by military and government officials. A tenacious magistrate is determined not to let them get away with it. Oh, the magistrate. And it's from 1969. Uh, It's a very well-loved movie, and I've just never seen it. Huh. Well. Oh, oh, Costa Gravas. Yeah, I've seen some of his other films, but... But this is the one that I feel I should see. Interesting. And and hottie dudes in it. Yeah, he was also my link and Bernard <laughs> Frazen. 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 Frazon. Frazon. And he's in a movie, a little movie that's not very well known, called Hiroshima Mon Amour. <gasps> oh, from nineteen fifty nine. Is that Robert Bresson? Yeah, uh, Elaine. Elaine Reynolds. Oh, wow. Oh, Alan Renee. Renee, yeah. One more. Elaine I, I haven't, you know what? I haven't seen that either. Um, what? Yeah. I also haven't seen it. I started watching it a couple months ago, but I didn't, I never finished it. So I'm, I was really wanted to watch it. I can't remember the Resnay oh, movies. Wow. That I've... And there's like one film. I can focus on one movie a week, basically, and it's for this <laughs> podcast. So I would like to watch this one. <laughs> I would like to watch um, that one too. The bio for this, if you don't know, a French actress filming an anti-war film in Hiro- Hiroshima has an affair with a married Japanese architect as they share their differing perspectives on war. Hiroshima. I always, I always fuck up the pronunciation of that. Um, Hiroshima. I don't know how to do it. But yeah, I'm uh, very curious about this movie. Excellent link. French New Excellent Wave link. cinema. Ellen? Huh. Maybe calm us down a little bit from all this like psychological Ellen's like, like e. insanity. E. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bernard Frazon and E.T. <laughs> <laughs> he was the model for E.T. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Spiritual um, successor. <laughs> I have two links emanating from the same individual. Um, one of them is maybe exactly what people might come to expect from me. Uh-huh. And the other thing is my way of perhaps trying to, I don't know, acknowledge that. Like <laughs> Two options, same person. <laughs> and that person is, to the surprise of no one, it is the delightful Sven Nykvist mm. cinematographer. Oh, oh nice. yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so many incredible ways to link from with Sven, from Sven, about Sven, around Sven. <laughs> uh, but of course... <laughs> I picked Louis Malle's 1975 Bizarro flick, Black Moon. Oh my god! I I knew you were gonna do this. <laughs> but yes, I know you knew I was gonna do this. But could you see this coming? My other uh, Sven 
Lane. Magic flute. Star. <laughs> oh, star. Star eighty. Oh, star eighty. I love star eighty. What's I love star eighty? What's too. the bio for Black Moon? <laughs> oh, let me look. Um, I'm so glad you asked. Yeah. I'm so glad you asked. That's so funny. Why am I not clocking that? I have to tell you what that thing is. Um, why should I have to? Just kidding. Okay. Yeah. Black Moon. Oh, God. The descriptions are so funny. To escape a gender war, <laughs> a girl flees to a remote farmhouse and becomes part of an extensive family's unusual, perhaps even supernatural, lifestyle. Man, that's a weird description of this uh, movie. It's <laughs> a weird description. This cracks me up so much. Huh. <laughs> yeah, they're all. Joe, would you like me to read the description of Star 80? I'm available to do so. Yes. Ooh, okay. Star 80. Get your get get your Fosse neck ready. Yeah, Bob Fosse's last <laughs> oh, it is? film. Oh shit. Yeah. Cool. Um not a musical. This is oh. Also kind of unusual description because, of course, this is based on a true story. Um, a successful young model finds trouble when her obsessive manager-turned-husband becomes dangerously jealous. Ooh. I mean, accurate, but please say Dorothy Stratton. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. Say her name. <laughs> Those bios for the films are so matter-of-fact. They're like, a person went to this place and then did this. And believed this. I love it. Okay, it's how, like how I I love TV show descriptions from TV Guide. Are we gonna but, uh, are yeah. we gonna three two one this and see what's because these oh this, these God, are th these are three so powerhouse links. I have to say, like these are some real heavy hitters. Yeah, some good links. <laughs> Shit's getting crazy. All right, will you list all of them? For, well, we should. Can we go around and everyone will you say your link just for a listener for Mine's listeners clarity. My link is is uh Fresen in Costa Garvis's Z. And mine is Fresen as well in Hiroshima Monomore. Crazy. I yeah. love those movies. Um And are you gonna choose one of yours? Ah, uh, which one do I choose? Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. This is great though, because I have to re-download this wheel app, so it's giving me time <laughs> to do it. <laughs> I can't decide. I feel like the, Black Moon is taking. I like. I'm just pulling everyone in some a real weird direction with that one. I mean, this season um, of Open Season is really out there. <laughs> Black Moon fits. <laughs> yeah, uh, that sounded interesting. I would watch. Um, <laughs> uh, oh man! Actually, how easy is it to find? Uh, let's let's see what that let's see what that does to our choice. I think it's pretty easy. Oh, <laughs> I'm wrong. Wait, let me see if it's on canopy. Oh, maybe you cannot be cursed by Black Moon easily. Black Moon is not streaming. Okay, currently Black well, Moon is not streaming. So um, star eight. It is rentable because it is part of the Criterion Collection. <laughs> Of course. Right. It happens um, to have a beautiful poster. <laughs> it um, certainly does. Both celestial bodies. Okay, well, that's good. I, I guess I could have vetted that before picking that as the link, but why would I do that? You could also leave them up and then have to, like, when the, you wait till the waiter comes to say your order, and get, if you get chosen on the wheel, then you have to panic and choose one. 
was just at dinner last night and realized that at if any restaurant that I have gone to more than once, I a million percent specifically have a panic attack drink order that I lean into. What is it? Well, the place I was at last night, it's the Basque Exit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the, the drink. The Basque um, Exit. Basque Exit. Um, okay. Well, all right. I mean, are we just going to three, two, one it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, shit. Um, <laughs> okay. or, or we could just go to the wheel. I think I kind of want the wheel because I, I can't decide between Z and Hiroshima Monomore. Oh, I can. <laughs> <laughs> but, but let's let the wheel do it. We well, could. no, what's your, what is your, I want to hear your, what's your take? I mean, that's why we three, two, one it. Yeah. Maybe we won't. We'll have okay, no, let's, let's no consensus with three, two, one. Okay, ready? Right. That's the whole point, right? Is if we don't, if we don't have consensus, then we go to the wheel. That's right? true. Yeah. Okay. All right. Three, two, two one. one. Hiroshima Monomore. Hiroshima Monomore. All right. Here we're watching Hiroshima Monomore. But you said Z. We didn't have a I consensus. I did, but I, they, but two against one, and I I picked Z because I was just curious. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I really want to we'll watch. I want to we'll, watch. We'll get Hiroshima. to a Costa Gravas place. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe it, if open season can do anything, it <laughs> means that we are just turning this car around. I'm excited <laughs> for I'm a little like maybe the eye of the storm in this calm place that we're going to. That might not be as like bloody and violent. <laughs> hopefully, unless I have completely misread this film. <laughs> But maybe a little, a little bit more of a chill, relaxed vibe this week for our movie. Mm, okay. For our link. <laughs> Uh-oh. Maybe not. Okay. Listener, we are watching Hiroshima Monomore, which you can rent for $3 on Prime. It is not on Canopy, sadly. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, but at the, it, it, maybe it's somewhere else. Uh, if I find it somewhere else, I will let you know. <laughs> Maybe it's somewhere else. You know where I know it is, is at your local video store if you have one. Yeah. And if you don't have one, it's at scarecrow.com where you can rent by mail. Um, Yay. And Hiroshima Monomore is also a a title in the Criterion Collection. Yeah. Weirdly not streaming on Canopy, uh, which streams most of the Criterion Collection. Oh, Criterion. That's where I was watching it. That's how I found out about it. Um, So yeah, if it's streaming on the Criterion Site. Yes. Which um, obviously you have, listener. <laughs> before we end, I wanted to plug my project that I got in trouble with a yes. cult with. <laughs> Since we're talking about conspiracies, I did a video on the Freemasons and they did not appreciate it. Um for for several reasons, I guess. Clarification, the quote Freemasons on Reddit, yeah, on did Reddit. not appreciate it. Yeah, that's a. I think <laughs> take that's that however you will. Um, but you can watch it. I'm doing a video series called Pop Dossiers, so on YouTube, and they're just going to be a variety of topics, and there's kind of like little learning, fun little animations. So if you feel like watching why and telling me why I got in trouble with the Freemasons, watch the one I did on Freemasons. Or if you just want to watch a really Reddit Freemasons, if you just want to watch an informative video that's beautifully animated and fun to fun to watch and learn, thank you. Go to Pop Dossiers. And that's check what it I out. thought I was doing. That's exactly what you are doing. And fuck 
the Reddit. The Reddit. Joe, instance. don't go on Reddit. I know. I should learn my lesson. Every time I try to post something on there, it gets deleted immediately. It's terrible. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. You're in. You're engaging. I'm engaging. Yeah. You're engaging with these fools. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. I, well, I mean, I I did that project with the Freemasons and got an a dinner with. Um. Anyways, whatever. <laughs> I don't have any weird things, weird vibes with the Freemasons, as as but a delightful experience. You're still so associating with me. <laughs> I feel like the Reddit, subreddit, Freemasons, it's like, don't bait them. I know. I got banned immediately, so there's no more interaction I can have. I'm banned forever permanently. But I did repost in a different forum, and I had some several good, great conversations with people who at least say they're Freemasons. I believe them, but I did have a good back and forth with some people, which is what I was interested in doing in the first place. So it ended up being kind of okay. And I feel like I'm glad that I got to talk to some people like that. So overall, great. But yeah, Pop Dossiers on YouTube. That's my Pop Dossiers is also on Instagram. Animation correct? channel. Yeah. What is it? At Pop Dossiers. There you go. Yeah. And you can go over there right after you go to at It Was Murder Pod and mm-hmm. click follow. Mm-hmm. And write us a little message if you want. You just write. You can write to us at it was murder pod. Uh, you can also write to us at it was murder pod at gmail dot com. And you can send your minute max in for Hiroshima Monomore. Sure can. Um, you can send your do. minute max for any of the things that we've done on open season, and I will happily yeah. l- put them up. I want to hear anyone's minute max for any oh of these. Oh my god! I challenge anyone to do possession. That's really <laughs> do a minute max on possession, and then we can chat because that's fucking really hard. Oh, <laughs> uh, and what I else? I mean, uh, write a review. Uh, give us a review. Give us five stars. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we love you and we'll talk to you later. We will. Hopefully we will talk to you next week. I'm sorry that life just keeps yeah. throwing us, uh, weird curveballs it's the it's the beginning of a new year and it's open uh, season all i can tell you is that as hard as it has been to get this podcast out regularly it's still something that we absolutely love doing and we are so happy that you're listening with us it's it's great to have you um we hope that you are enjoying watching these weird european films (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) on this heart to heart podcast (laughs) <laughs> I love it so much. I realize there's no point in like no one that just showed up looking for heart to heart is listening to the end of this episode <laughs> of the podcast. I know. But, but if they are as, as a reminder, <clears throat> it's episodes one through hundred and twenty seven. Sure. Seven, I think. Is that yeah, it's episode really rock one solid until OG it's over. Heart to heart content. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our first watch of Heart to Heart. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is why we say to sign off. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, freeway. Good night, freeway. Good night, freeway. <laughs>